Okay, we'd like to welcome you back to part three of our current event and weekly Bible study for August 23rd, 2009. We're going to continue. The next part of this uh, document is entitled, and again, this is the title of the study kind of as well, but this is the actual title of this particular part. Uh, the UFO phenomenon is growing and not going away. Is it the next great challenge for the church? Now, I said the two things in the last study about Stephen Greer and the, and the Disclosure Project, and then this Exopolitics Summit in Barcelona, Spain, to lead up to this letter. Okay, This is from uh, Gavin C. from the UK. He sent an insightful email to CMI's resident UFOologist Gary Bates. Gary's reply is below what we're going to read here. And dear Gary, thanks again once for your book, Alien Intrusion. Now, I haven't read this book. I mean, it looks like a lot of the research he's put together looks good. Uh, and I'll, I'll provide the link there in the PDF, but I can't vouch for it because I haven't read it. But from what I read, I can say we're, we're on the same page on a lot of issues. Once again, I thank you for your book, Alien Intrusion. I've been reading quite a lot recently. I've gone through Timothy Good's books, and now I'm comparing it with what Missler and Eastman have said in their book, Alien Encounters. Also, just been watching the European Exopolitics 2009 in Spain on the internet, online. Okay, and remember we talked about the Exopolitics conference? Dr. Stephen Greer, now, that's the guy from the Disclosure Project that we just talked about. He was there. And guess what? Dr. Stephen Greer is channeling aliens and encouraging everyone else to do so as well. Isn't that special? The worrying thing is, is that they're answering. The aliens, he's channeling. You know, the Bible talks about they that commit such things are worthy of death, and not only take pleasure in doing them, but take pleasure in them that do them. The Bible says that in Romans 1 at the very end of that chapter. Well, this is what it reminds me of. He's up there channeling aliens, and he's encouraging everyone else to do it too. Everybody involved in this movement at the highest levels are, are all of the same ilk and mindset, ultimately. It boils down to this new age, paradigm shifting, ushering in the age of Aquarius mindset that they're all in. And it is totally against the Lord Jesus Christ. Totally. It's an abomination. But this guy, during this European exopolitics thing in Spain, he's channeling aliens and he's encouraging everyone else. And the aliens are actually answering. Well, sure, you go, you go to Satan, he'll meet you at your need. He'll, give, he'll tell you what you want to hear. And Stephen Greer briefs the president, President Obama, on such issues. Remember, I said he was at the National Press Club in Washington, D.C., did you see the? Did you hear the laundry list of of people that have aligned themselves with this disclosure project that I just read, and all the former presidents and military people that have made statements regarding this? Think this might maybe be building to something? Ah, nah, nothing will ever come in none of this, right? <laughs> that's what the, that's how the church is acting, pretty much. So, yeah, hey, channeling aliens on stage—that's great. Okay, so goes on to say, I just get. The feeling, now this is this letter to uh, Gary Bates, he says, I just get the feeling there is a paradigm shift happening right now in our culture real fast. It's taking the church by surprise. The church has no, no from what I can see, 
the church has no desire, for the most part, to even deal with this issue. They have none. They'd just rather stand silent on it. Uh, then it goes on to say, how this is all ties in with end-time prophecy, I'm still processing, but it's kind of scary. It certainly strikes me that if Christians aren't really founded firm on the Word of God, with a creation worldview, then they will be hoodwinked by the coming E.T. deception. I agree. That's why I've done a lot of these studies. So that that doesn't happen. That if these entities are here to help us up to our next rung of our evolutionary development, which is exactly what they're saying, see, they're, they're highly evolved beings. That's what they claim to be. They claim to be our creators. Now, if you want to know more about that, key, an ancient astronaut in my name in the search box on either Sermon Audio or YouTube or on the Internet, I, I believe you'll find it. I've done one or two teachings on that alone, the ancient astronaut theory. They're claiming to help us up our next rung on the evolutionary development, even claiming to be our creators. Will this be the great falling away? Yours prayerfully. Okay. So, he writes back. Uh, Gary Bates writes back. Dear Gavin, thank you for your email. It is interesting to receive these thoughts from you at this time. Of course, I am involved in this type of specialist research, but it is actually only a very small part of what we do. Uh, like my colleagues, I mainly focus on the wider creation versus evolution issue. However, there is an ever-increasing amount of articles from established scientists and even politicians giving the UFO believers cause for validity. Well, I, we've just looked at a ton of it, you know. The mere fact that the politicians are actually holding such exopolitics exo conferences, the politicians are the ones doing this. That should give us cause for concern in and of itself. And I have recently had an increasingly strong sense, almost one of foreboding, that an impending paradigm shift will, will likely be a major issue in the future. Remember, these articles, what I'm talking about today, they're not even mentioning Benjamin Krem and Maitreya, what they're saying. That's not even being mentioned. Now, maybe it was mentioned in the Exopolitics Summit. I don't know. But it sure ties in with it. It sure could tie in nicely. So he goes on to say, that's why I make the point about timing of your email. My concern is that the church is still not equipped to deal with the creation, evolution, ancient astronaut problem yet. And the UFO phenomenon, which is a subset of this. This is an issue majorly shunned and avoided by the wider church. This is despite the fact that a belief in extraterrestrial life is overwhelmingly accepted by the majority of the population. So see, the majority of the population has a problem with it, but that also includes Christians. So, oh yeah, I believe my Bible. I also believe that the little green men are here and maybe they created us. I don't know. I, <laughs> hey man, if you don't stand for something, you're going to fall for anything. <laughs> That's what it boils down to, you know? <laughs> you, need to, you, you need to either, you need to choose whom this day you're going to serve. Either God created us, okay, or, like you say, whatever, the aliens did. You're going to have to accept one way or another. You can't, you can't reconcile the two. You know? I mean, maybe, maybe they'll come out with a hybrid Bible now. Where it'll kind of try to hybridize everything. Who knows? They've got all, all other abominations out there. Versions. But, 
Genesis 1.27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Not male, female, and, you know, women trapped in men's bodies and men trapped in women's bodies. And transsexuals and bisexuals. No, that's not the way he created that. Well, I don't care what you say. I know how I feel, and I, I was born this way. Now, you were born demon-infested. You were probably born with a generational curse. And or you were molested at a very young age, whether you remember it or not, by a same-sex partner. These devils and demons got imparted to you, and that is why you supposedly have this sexual orientation. But don't blame it on God. He didn't create you that way. Unfortunately, the devil gets in the mix, and he messes things up. done a teaching on that subject as well so you can search for that in uh, sermon audio or continue for truth so going further Genesis 1.28 and God blessed them and God said unto them be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it subdue have dominion kind of interchangeable we're supposed to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Now, he said this to Adam and Eve. There weren't little gray aliens around then. Okay? I don't believe that was the, that was the case back then. Okay? Uh, where we see this first real big manifestation was in Genesis 6, when we had the Nephilim and the giants walking the earth, and then after that. Okay? From that point, from Genesis 6 forward, we've had this, seemingly, we've had this problem, okay, um, but God says, regarding the earth, subdue it, have dominion over it, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth, these things aren't supposed to have dominion over us, like what is being portrayed in Hollywood, where the aliens have the power, or the Nordics do, and they're, they're, they're these, you know, either malevolent or benevolent races that ultimately have far greater power than us. It's not biblical. One only need to look at the Roswell Festival each year where, uh, where this man had just been. The town's population doubles in size over the crash anniversary, the crash of Roswell, 1941. Yet not a single church in town makes an effort to reach out to the tens of thousands that are there. Churches are silent. We don't want to touch this. We'll let those old UFO people just go their merry way. It scares the church. They don't have an answer, for the most part. In fact, they openly distance themselves from it. As we know, many sections of the church openly embrace evolution. Oh, isn't that special? The churches that believe in evolution. How do you get saved in a church like that? I just need to know. I... Haven't figured that one out. So they won't have any problem believing that life evolved in other planets anyway. They're going to be, like I've said before, the spiral 1C3, how they're yoked up with the government, how they're yoked up with FEMA and Homeland Security, and they're being trained to quell dissent when the, when the coming calamities and things like that and martial laws imposed go down. They're probably going to be vaccination centers for all. They're going to be more part of the problem than it, and they're going to be at a higher accountability than anyone. 
Because, I mean, at least if Satan is there, I mean, if somebody's evil and they're doing it, they're not doing it under the guise of God. Whereas these pseudo-Christian, lukewarm, 501c3 corporate institutions who are going to be part of the problem, they're more highly accountable because they're representing Jesus Christ on this earth. Pretty pitiful. The following areas that will likely continue to be promoted as a challenge to Christianity are, number one, the complexity of life issue. That is the vast amounts of information on the DNA molecule of all creatures, meaning that it has to have been designed by aliens because it's so complex. Why? Because God-hating evolutionists and many scientists could never believe the Lord Jesus Christ when his word says in John 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, the same in the beginning was God, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John 1. All things were made by him. Not all things were made by the aliens. Again, it boils down to choosing whom this day you're going to serve. It's usually what it always boils down to. Where are you going to put your faith? We can now map the majority of the information on the human genome. And when one sees it laid out, laid out on sheets of paper, for example, it is immensely breathtaking. It is hard to see how any reasonable thinking person could believe this could have come about by chance. Again, it, it is, I agree. Therefore, the idea of an older, more evolved, therefore smarter alien being, being our creator, can help the evolutionists explain the origins of life which is one of the biggest stumbling blocks to the biological evolution. I mean, that's how they look at it. It's not how I'm looking at it. It gets them off the hook by merely transferring the argument to outer space where we can't test it. See, they came from outer space, these aliens that created us, and we can't test it. We don't know what happened out there. So, we'll just assume it. It's ironic that they will criticize Christians for believing an unseen God as creator, but they are more than happy to resort to their own unseen forces as long as they do not involve God. It's, it's a spiritual battle. It's, it's, these are devils and demons and falling angels that are behind this. The abundance of life on earth does glorify God, for it is written in Isaiah 45:18, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. God did it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. He formed it to be inhabited. By who? Us. In the, you know, the animals that he put here, and the creatures. Um birds and fowl and fish and well, that we're supposed to subdue and have dominion over, as we just said. Then it goes on to say, I am the Lord and there is none else. None else. No other ascended masters, no other gray aliens, no reptilians, no Nordics, no grays, no insectoids. None else. Those are all demonic counterfeit imposters. Don't buy into this garbage that a lot of Christians have where, well, yes, I believe the Nordics are, are actually a benevolent race. They warned us against the Greys back in 1954 before we signed the Grenada Treaty 
they warned us that they were evil, but see, the Nordics weren't willing to exchange technology with us. They said we had to disarm all of our nuclear war, and we weren't going to do that. And they weren't going to give us technology anyway. So we went and got in bed with the Greys. Good cop, bad cop. It's all a bunch of garbage. It's all evil. Don't buy into that. Uh, and, and I guarantee you, that's going to be the compromise a lot of other Christians will buy into. Guess who the Nordics are going to be represented by? Maitreya and his ascended master clan. I'm telling you, this war is being set up for such a deception. <laughs> you can't even... I mean, unless you were told about there's no way you can conceive of it. I can't even fully conceive of it. I haven't been through it yet. I believe that's why God put me here, is to warn, at least in part, to warn people about this. Seem, but doesn't it, I mean, look, if you've been a listener of mine for a while, doesn't this seem really like all the pieces fit together? And Doesn't it seem really obvious what is probably going to happen, Lord permitting? I mean, you know, I just don't see a lot of contradictory information. I see a lot of confirming, but not a lot of contradicting. Secondly, this is going back to the article, this evolution of life on other planets, which is being promoted as fact without any substantive evidence, is a real concern for many Christians. Non, even non-evolutionist Christians, by and large, don't deal with this correctly. And I use that term Christians real loosely, because these people aren't even saved. They're, they're, you know, they don't even know what they believe. They have no faith in really, you know, oh, I don't know, I mean, I just go to church and warm a pew, and, and I, I read the Bible a couple times, and I just believe whatever my pastor says. And I go to church, and I tithe, so I'm a good person, I'm going to go to heaven. Hmm, okay. Well, you need to see my, my teaching on salvation, and uh, you need to get right with the Lord. And I'm not saying that because I think I'm perfect. I'm just saying that, you know, you need to make sure you have the salvation issue handled first, right up front, nothing more important. These people that are involved in this alien movement, it's sad because they have no they have no protection from God whatsoever. They're openly going into the arms of Satan with this by embracing this information and propagating it and teaching it. It's like they're inviting devils to come and inhabit them. That's what they're doing. When you channel a demon, like the Stephen Greer guy, yes, come in and possess me, Satan, so that I can spew forth your demonic rhetoric. That's what they're doing. See, this is why people like George Norrie don't want to interview me. Of course, I've never asked. Okay? But I would go, I would go on, I probably would go on George Norrie if he asked me about Maitreya or Krem. Because... I don't see anyone on these alternative uh, news things, particularly on that issue, I don't see anyone really trying to put out truth from, from a Christian standpoint. I just don't see it. I don't know. Anyway, even non-evolutionist Christian... Okay, I already read that. Uh, okay, even non-evolutionist Christians, by and large, don't deal with this problem correctly. In my experience, most Christians believe in life on the other planets. Most Christians. Or at least that there could be life out there. And this plays right into the hands of the UFO-believing evolutionists. For one thing, and this is important, this part, because I don't think I've ever covered this. If one thing, if Christians take the line that God could have created life on other planets, 
then that gives cause for ridicule of the Bible. Because, number one, it's silent about such things. And here's another thing. More significantly, as an evolutionary physicist, Paul Davies pointed out, he said, quote, Christianity, in particular, has difficulties with regard to this very special role that Jesus Christ plays. If they wish to retain Jesus Christ as their Savior, is he the Savior of only mankind or of all sentient beings throughout the universe? Or will each community have its own little Savior? Does it all start to become a little ludicrous, you Christians? Doesn't it all? In other words, okay, there's, there's other entities and other planets. Jesus, being fair and just, had to... He, did he just die here on earth to save mankind? What about them? Well, I guess he had to go there and die too on that particular planet for them and give them the opportunity to get saved. Yes, it does all become a little ludicrous when you start looking at it from that standpoint. Okay, But I don't. I look at it just from what the Bible says. Just stick with the word of God as I keep saying. Don't try to muddy the waters. Don't try to complicate matters. This is complicating matters. But see again... The UFO people love this type of stuff because it's like, oh, so did he go and, and be re-crucified on all the millions of other planets that are inhabited? They don't have any proof that they are inhabited. This whole thing about all of these alien races coming to our planet from all these different parts of the galaxy is all part of the big lie to get us thinking that very thing. When in reality, they're disembodied Nephilim, the devils and demons, and fallen angels that are masquerading in this role, that are creating this grand deception. And the Lord's letting it happen. It's part of the strong delusion, if not the main part. So, he goes on to say, there are two areas to be dissected here. A, evolutionists believe that life must have evolved elsewhere in their massive and old universe um, theories, and that Christians are arrogant to presume that Earth is the only place in the entire universe that contains life. Um, as I wrote in another article on our website, quote, the interest in the search for the extraterrestrial life is huge. And again, I believe much of this interest is motivated out of, out of the desire to disprove the Bible so that nobody, so that they believe we don't have to answer to holy God. And that Bible is just a bunch of stories and fables used to control men. They don't want to have to answer to holy God. Okay? That's the big thing. That's why they do. That's why they go to such great lengths. Uh, the interest in the search for extraterrestrial life is huge mainly fueled by the enormous popularity of science fiction and its depiction of advanced alien life on other planets. Many evolutionists are acutely aware of this. In fact, in the minds of many young people, the idea of alien life proves the theory of evolution itself. Exactly. That's the leap that they love to make. It has almost become a circular, circular self-serving hypothesis. Evolutionists believe life evolved on Earth the universe is an enormous place and life must have evolved elsewhere. Because of evolutionary thinking, many people now believe also that the universe is an enormous place 
and that we cannot be the only ones. And aliens must exist, and if they evolved here, why not elsewhere? As the conditions must be right on at least one of the many billions of Earth-like planets that they presume to exist. Science fiction can't be all wrong, can it? And if aliens exist, they must have evolved. It proves that life has evolved on Earth also. See all the leaps of logic? How easy it is to get away from the Bible? Of course, they were never in it, but... Secondly, many Christians struggle with why God would have made the universe so big if it's just for human beings. This is another number one question I constantly receive on the subject. And this is Gary Bates talking. But this is known as an anthropomorphic argument because it projects our limited human understanding and human attributes to a non-human creator who is outside our time and space continuum. It is like saying, if it were, if it were me, I wouldn't have made it so big. You, you see where he's going with this? There are some passages that remind us not to do such things, as Job 11, 7-9, where God speaks to Job and says, quote, Canst thou, by searching, find out God? The only way you could really do that is by searching the word, his word that he gave us. But the ways of the Lord are actually uncertain. I mean, we're never going to, even with the word of God, we're never going to find out the full magnitude and scope. Our brains couldn't even process it anyway in this state we're in now in, in, in human flesh form. So, so God poses the question to Job, canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? It is high as is heaven, and what canst thou do? Deeper than hell, what canst thou know? It's, it's not going to happen, in other words. And Job was the most righteous man on earth at the time, so I mean, you know, the measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Well, amen, praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, the Bible says we see through a glass, but darkly. Okay? that's and, and that we know in part. So none of us have it all figured out, and, you know, can go around saying that I, I've attained and I've got it all figured out. So, of course, the universe was created not just for us, but for God's glory. The scriptures tell us so many times, such as in Psalm 19.1, which says, the heavens declare the glory of God. See, it doesn't have to be so little alien races can be out there propagating. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. God's handiwork. He spoke it into existence. The word of God spoke it into existence. All things were made by him, the word, and without him was not anything made that was made, according to John 1. So in addition, Scripture reminds us that creating such a universe is not hard for God. Isaiah forty twenty eight says, Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary, there is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now that's that's the good news. That's encouraging there. But see, it has to be through the Lord, not in and of yourself, lest any man should boast. In short, if God is the one who made the universe, then logically, how can it be too big for him to have made? Think about that. I've also heard many Christians say, well, God could have made aliens, or might have, or would have, etc. Some of them, with good intentions, invoke aliens out there, just in case we really do get visited someday. I think that's the stance that most Christians do. They're just kind of they're kind of just sitting back right now, not really sure about what might happen. Eh, you know, they're out there, maybe. I don't know. I'm just gonna kind of sit back and footloose and fancy free and warm my pew and do my stuff, read my NIV and go to my corporate 501c3 church. And you know, if it happens, it does. Whatever. I really think that's the uh, that's the stance of most so-called Christians. But this also tends to project our fallible human reasoning and purposes unto God. Surely it is about what He said. He didn't about what He said. He did not what He might have done based on our limited understanding of the universe. Very true. The whole purpose of the creation was to bring about a bride for Christ. His church, the redeemed from many nations, Adam's seed justified through the last Adam, Jesus Christ, whereas the ETs cannot be a part of the wedding ceremony because they're not human. They're damned. They're they're appointed under the lake of fire. I mean, when the fallen angels came down on Genesis 6 and saw the daughters of men that they were fair and took them wives all that they chose, and these wives bore into them giants, do you think they're appointed to heaven? Well, they can be redeemed because they're half human. No, 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 no. Jesus Christ did not come back to save some hybrid, corrupted seed entity. He came back to pay, make a way for mankind, humankind, to be with him in heaven for all eternity. He didn't provide that way for the little green men or the reptilians or the Nordics or whatever. Christians should not be frightened, but just stand on the word of God. Amen. The second point he goes over is the majority of these channeled messages from the ETs, the channel, meaning they, they're channeling a spirit through them. And the channeling might be they speaking what this thing... And so a lot of times I've seen channelings. I saw one with my mom when I was a teenager, I believe. And this woman came and turned down the lights and all of a sudden, you know, she had her head down then she pulled her head up and she started talking and it was in a different voice than what she was just talking in. These spirits literally possess them and t- change the tone and inflection of the voice coming out of the out of the person. It's really impressive. You could channel writings as well. In other words, the demon takes you over, and you write. And it's, a lot of times, that's called automatic writing. It's well known in the occult that that happens. It's how a lot of rock songs get written, or a lot of occult books, like Alice Bailey's books. They were channeled, most of them. Channel right from a demon. Right through your hand. Boom. You've you got it right there. Takes all the pressure off Alice. You know, she can just put it right down on paper and, you know, serve Satan and 
Anyway, the majority of the channeled messages from the ETs seem to be focused on environmental issues. See, they want to make sure Mother Guy is protected. Not to be confused with Father Time. Mother Guy, Father Time, sorry. Anyway, it links human evolution with the state or evolution of the planet. In other words, our evolution is linked with the evolution of, of Mother Gaia, of this planet. Mother Gaia is grieved. She's mad at us. I saw this one picture of the portrayal of Mother Gaia. It was so gross. It was like this, I don't know, it was a painting or something. It was this painting of this green woman. And she ha- she was all pregnant and, and she had the, her belly was like the globe. You know, the Mother Earth, and she was birthing, you know, oh, it was gross. Anyway, I believe, and I don't believe it was a real picture, it was like a graphic or something, it was, ugh. Anyway, I'm not big into that. Um, so, it links the human evolution with the state or evolution of the planet. So again, that's why they can push the environmental agenda, which is ultimately going to be used to control us. They they implement all these environmental laws where they just take away every bit of your rights because you're grieving Mother Gaia, and they herd you into cities where you can be easily controlled, all so that we're not grieving Mother Gaia. You know, it's a pretty pretty good deception. In the current political global warming climate, there are many eager and willing ears to hear this. And those with global warming agenda, it just adds another string to their bow. Really, it should be arrow to the quiver. But anyway. Hey, even the aliens are on our side trying to help us, they say. Get it? All of these guys that are pushing the environmental movement, what are they also saying? Well, we need to go by the the Ten Commandments of the New World Order, the Georgia Guidestones, which is to reduce world population to 500 or uh, was it 500 million or something? Yeah. 500 million worldwide. Which is like, you know, 90 to 95% reduction of current world population. This is one more justification because the aliens and the ascended masters, and all, they're all saying the same thing. They're in agreement with this. Mother guy is grieved. You have to reduce world population. Hmm. So they boldly say, well, even the aliens are trying to help us. We must be in the right, you know, because they're our benevolent space brothers. They only mean us good, right? Bizarrely, this aliens environmental link only reinforces the ideas that the aliens are in league with the United Nations, with the Illuminati, with the globalists, with the environmentalists. The UFO phenomenon has been around for as long as mankind has been has had writings. The morphing of these phenomena into a cultural understanding of the day is nothing new and has been going on for hundreds of years. For example, it once took the form of fairies or elves. Now, people still see these things. Fairies and elves and stuff like that. You know, I've never seen one. I know the Keebler elf. You know, that little guy that makes the cookies. And, the you know, the pixie on Peter Pan. Fairy, what's her name? Tinkerbell, yeah. Tinkerbell. But, again, these are conditioning tools. These things are evil. Like that gnome from Travelocity. The gnome commercial, you see the little gnome, and he's, you know. These are all demonic entities, essentially. They're portrayed as cute and little and cuddly. And I guarantee you, if you got anything like that in your house, you need to get rid of it. 
any women angels with wings or any portrayals of Jesus Christ and all the stuff, the Bible says that God is not that of graven art or of, or of stone or of carvings or of... It's not that at all. You need to get rid of that stuff. It's You're potentially bringing a curse into your house and you need to get rid of it. Err on the side of safety, if nothing else. So, this, um, the elves and fairy thing, this one deemed ridiculous by the standards of today, today's more enlightened culture, but that's not true, because there's, there's still a lot of these sightings, and there's a lot of people that believe in those, those entities, and it's a demonic deception, is all it boils down to. It's all we're talking about, this whole study. But few seem to have a problem with the idea that some unknown or unseen gray alien beings can travel millions and billions of light years to find the very laws of physics that govern our universe and then walk through walls to abduct a specially pre-chosen human being in the middle of the night to convey such messages. To the cultures of times past, UFOs often appeared as airships or even flying canoes. This is because the phenomenon are specifically designed to deceive by the evil one, the great deceiver himself, that particular culture. As mentioned, the UFO phenomenon is a subset of a bigger issue, which is which have its origins in this ancient astronaut evolution issue. One can cherry-pick the issues one wishes to deal with, and this includes other issues, such as abortion, euthanasia, animal rights, or whatever. But one would only be dealing with the symptoms of the underlying problem. Now, when I first read that, it didn't quite make sense to me, and then I realized in the subsequent paragraph what he's trying to say. What he's trying to say is, let's use Hitler as an example. Hitler believed in evolution, big time. Charles Darwin, okay, big time. What did that give Hitler? Now, I understand there was a lot of other occultic beliefs he believed in, too. He followed Madame Blavatsky and Darwin and these devils. What did that give him the justification to do in his own sick, demon-possessed mind? Well, the Jews are subhuman. And these non-Nordic races are also subhuman. They must be exterminated. So we can develop the Aryan fifth root race. And we can be as gods. Same lie that Satan told Eve in the Garden of Eden, same thing Hitler wanted. When you start believing we evolved from a rock, or that aliens created us, then you can start believing that, you know what, there's probably some humans on the planet that are really subhuman. They are not as far up the evolutionary scale, like in Hitler's example, as us Aryans. Even though he was like, had black hair, you know, and he didn't exactly look like the standard, you know, Aryan demigod. Me a break, but nevertheless, these other races are subhuman. We need we can eliminate them. They evolved anyway. We, there's no god. We're just a little space project. If we eliminate these other ones, it's kind of like uh, we're getting rid of the chaff. Let's keep the wheat and get rid of the chaff. We're doing no harm because you know there's no god. That's that's the justification that you can get into. When you start believing in evolution, abortion, well, that's justified. This baby is um, not the right race, maybe it's deformed, maybe it's not the right whatever color, we can abort it. Yeah, Margaret Sanger, I've done several teachings on abortion you can access. You can see that it's just another part of the genocide project. Um, 
So by just discussing the nature of UFOs or the relevance of the messages being channeled by alleged aliens, one gets into circular arguments that go round and round. Under The underlying philosophy of such belief that needs to be confronted while at the same time one needs to deal with the individual issues. If we remove the foundation of evolution, which is really the ancient astronaut theory that these aliens created us, then there is no way that the aliens can exist out there in the first place. Once the foundation is demolished, we can then use the Bible to explain, deal with the nature of the individual issues. This again highlights why it is dangerous for Christians to invoke life uh, as previously defined on other planets. It's a dangerous thing you can run into. That's by Gary Bates, that article we just read. Now, this is from District 9. Okay, We said all that, now we're going to just do... read. I'm going to read a couple movie reviews about District 9. This is the new movie that just debuted this last week. I was actually considering going to see it until I read this. And I don't advise anybody to go to it because they use the F word, and it's extremely gory and graphic, and no, 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 don't even go there. The Bible says I'll set no wicked thing before my eyes. Uh, the Bible says we're supposed to flee all appearance of evil. I just don't see how you go that go that route and go to these movies. I haven't been to a movie in years, in years and years. Uh, ever since I got in, when I was in the Independent Fundamental Baptist Church, they forbid anybody in leadership to go. And to be quite honest with you, I think it's a good thing because you're feeding into the whole Hollywood propaganda machine. You're 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 funding that when you go and pay money to go to these movies. I can read a review and pretty much get the gist. I don't got to go. So this one is posted by J Red. It's District Nine blew me away. Now again, you know, written supposedly by a Christian, but. He didn't even mention the whole F word thing. He didn't mention the gore in it. That was not even mentioned. You know, and it's so typical for so many of the average Christians is that, you know, I'll set whatever I want to before my eyes and I'll live whatever way I want to live. It's not really sin. You know, it's between you and God, but I think the Bible would definitely contradict you on that. So he goes on to say, yesterday afternoon I decided to beat the heat and head to the local theater to catch a movie and some much-needed air conditioning. Naturally, I decided to see one film crucial to our discussions here as they relate to the whole pop culture mass conditioning movement and the build, and, and build to full disclosure. So this guy's got a pretty good comprehension of what we're talking about today. Just think from a morality standpoint, he's kind of pretty gray on that. But um, District 9, produced by Peter Jackson, as far as movies go, District 9 certainly lived up to my expectations and didn't disappoint in the slightest. And again, I don't know. He goes on to say, it was so raw and in your face. And the fact that the filmmaker chose to go with actors and actresses that don't have a big recognizable name helped make this viewing experience seem real. That is to say that there was a true sense of realism with this film that most productions of Hollywood never even come close to, especially with this particular subject matter. Now, I've watched the trailer, which there's nothing, you know, in the trailer uh, that's that's really inappropriate, but it does look incredibly realistic. I, I mean, it's... The trailer will get your attention. Flat, get your attention. Um, while Nicolas Cage, the Nicolas Cage film, knowing definitely left me with an eerie feeling afterwards. Now, I've had a lot of people email me about this movie, The Knowing, and it was really, really heavy-duty as well. But he says, while that movie left me with an eerie feeling, District 9 
goes above and beyond as it's shot as a quasi-documentary. In fact, the first 10 to 15 minutes of the backstory depicted as international news reports was nothing short of stunning. See, it's depicted, the first 15 to 20 minutes, or, or 10 to 15 minutes, are depicted as actual international breaking news, like we would see it on CNN. Actually, it was exactly the way you would envision the world to respond if such an event occurred nowadays. Have a quick look at the trailer and get a taste of what I'm talking about for yourself. So again, once again, I'll say, so Hollywood's doing all this alien propaganda with no long-term objective at all. There's no validity to any of this at all. How absurd do you, why do you think Satan would devote all this energy and time to this if he didn't have some ultimate end game? So, going further, man, even after seeing the feature-length version yesterday, that trailer still gives a tough guy like me the creeps. <laughs> okay. It almost seems too personal, too real somehow. Of course, we've had our eye on this film for quite some time, and even though Transformers 2... Revenge of the Fallen got all the summer buzz and hype. I have a feeling that when it's all said and done, this <laughs> this is the flick that people will remember. <laughs> the flick. Anyway, uh, this is, the I say, the movie that people will remember as being crucial to helping complete the entire alien UFO mass conditioning movement. I, I agree. I agree. Although there's other ones on the way. we got V coming up. I had the lady, um, and thank you for this, uh, the lady that um, works at a, it's a Dallas affiliate station. She emailed me, she's like the manager um, for like, I guess ABC and a Dallas affiliate, Dallas, Texas, and she emailed me the um, announcement letter from V, the V series that I believe is going to be I believe it's been bumped up to premiere in early November, or sometime in November, that V story, where the aliens are here, and they come, and the, you know, I, I played the trailer a couple times, uh, a few teachings ago, and, uh, you know, that's the very nefarious part. They come as angels of light, essentially, but they're actually here to consume us. Okay. Now this is a spin-off of the 1984 V series. This is a, this is the remake of that. Okay. And again, it's the whole good cop bad cop thing. I think we're going to be seeing. Um, going further, the few times I wrote about this movie before, today I boldly stated that it was my sneaking suspicion that this could very well be the last major push from the film industry that speaks to the concept of that we are not alone and that the release of District 9 would either immediately precede or immediately follow some sort of full disclosure type of announcement because it was that powerful and in your face. Well, they would have to have enough people that saw it, though. And obviously, most of the people worldwide didn't see it. Uh, um, regarding the disclosure thing is what I'm talking about. Obviously, nothing of global proportions happened before the film premiered on Friday, but after sitting there for two hours talking about it, uh, I'd have to say that this catapults us much closer to that coming reality and great deception. This movie had it all. Every possible theme we've been covering whenever we look at the instances where the so-called UFO alien ag agenda shows up in the pop culture was present in this single film. Things like 
this is what this movie had. Abduction. Hybrids. Meaning hybrid human alien. Okay? Which is a big theme in the whole alien movement. Resurrection. Oh yeah, resurrection. Ascension. Salvation from the E.T. beings. In other words, they're here to save us. Transhumanism. Advanced technology and medicine. Interspecies sex. That's sickening. But what is the theme of a lot of these people that get abducted? Some of them are, are, a ton of them are saying they were actually raped by these things. Usually that's the reptilians that do this. Okay? I'm just, I'm being honest with you. I'm telling you from what the reports I've read. Then Dionysus cult-like behavior. Then the all-seeing eye motif. Shot with the hybrid character. One eye normal, other eye alien. Now I don't know whether that means one eye was reptilian and one eye was, you know. Um, the Bible says in Daniel that they, meaning I believe the, the coming, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. The Bible says that in the end times. What's Daniel about the end times? They, most likely being these fallen angels, just like they did in Noah's day, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. It seems to be the very focus of when people get abducted. These things are obsessed with the human reproductive system and defiling it. Uh, Then, another thing. Alien mech robot suits. Uh with a headpiece almost a dead-on match for Horus. Huh. Now, Horus, the all-knowing eye of Horus, or Lucifer, essentially, the sun god, or Ra, or whatever you want to call him, is what is the eye that's depicted on the um, unfinished capstone on the back of a $1 bill. It's the all-knowing eye of Lucifer, Horus, whatever you want to call it. This same theme is like portrayed in what they call Stargate. There's a movie called Stargate, I believe SGI. It was the original movie. And it's in it Horus was all over that thing. All over that movie, the depiction. They're conditioning us for this. Then the lightning bolt motifs. The aliens are depicted on posters around the city with lightning bolt legs. Remember when Jesus said, and I just said that verse, I beheld Satan, you know, fall from heaven as lightning in Luke ten eighteen. Um, plus, there's, they always say that the best examples of science fiction are the ones that provide the public with the adequate amount of social commentary on the times that they're living in. Well, would you believe that this film even had plenty of socio, socio-political commentary throughout? Here we find bigotry and racism, poverty and homelessness, pro-abortion, pro-eugenics, illegal immigration, viral outbreak, pandemics, Government conspiracy and corruption, media bias, mass conditioning, war over biotechnology, detention facilities resonating with FEMA martial law camps. This movie had it all, evidently. Like I said, it had it all. I even drew a distinct parallel with last year's Oscar winner for Best Picture, Slumdog Millionaire. Well, this guy must see everything. And when you note that the aliens in the film who lived in the slums were called prawns, just as the people who lived in the slums in India were called slum dogs. Uh, now, this is a spoiler alert. 
spoiler alert, so just so you know, if you're going to go see this, which I highly don't advise, this is going to spoil it for you. At this point, I might I must simply share some of my additional observations that have uh, a clear connection to Bible prophecy, or at least the ones they're the ones that I thought that did. The two million aliens contained within the District Nine are clearly a, an, an unruly bunch. Their idea of quote fun is doing the types of things that create pain, suffering, and death. For humans, like derailing trains, downing passenger flights, uh, starting fires, robbery, interspecies prostitution, and rape, murder. Kind of sounds like, you know, the devil. He comes to seek, to kill, to destroy, you know. Murder. He was the father of lies, you know. Well, that's exactly how they're... Why? Well, it's an accurate portrayal. They are of their father, the devil, and of his works they will do. So, going further, it says, in other words, they're all the types of things you would expect to find in Noah's day. Assuming these aliens were, in fact, fallen angels, as we've suggested all along. Um, well, again, and I, I, I don't say it's just fallen angels. I believe you should make the distinction between fallen angels and demons. These types of things. Um, perhaps that's why, in one scene, a man refers to them as demons. The ending is carried out in such a way that there will be a sequel for sure. So everybody, you know, get your popcorn ready, because a sequel's coming. Sorry. But there were a handful of intriguing statements made by the main characters, which had me thinking about the obvious prophetic symbolism. First and foremost, even though the aliens were portrayed as having been here for something like 20 or 30 years, uh, where they lived in District 9, without using their vastly superior technology to survive and make life easier for them. In addition, most of the technology is highly sophisticated and highly destructive weaponry. I mean, come on, give me a break. I mean, this alien ship comes down and it's this infinitely, not infinitely, but unbelievably higher technology than we possess, and they need our help and we put them in a slum? Come on, be the other way around. I mean, if they had that power granted to them, you know, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, if the, if the Lord Jesus Christ let it, do you think Satan would let any of us live? We're created in God's image. I just read you the verse. His goal is to try to get as many people to hell as possible because misery loves company. And that's where he's heading. And he's not going to go down without a fight. So, um, but in the movie, it's interesting. Even though they have all of this highly evolved and advanced technology, they don't really use it that much, at least in, in the 20 or 30 years they've been there, I guess. Um, they haven't used it on the human population at large, despite the fact that they've been treated like garbage by the corporate entity uh, created to deal with them. That was the most curious part of the story to me until the main alien character revealed that they had a plan that they had been working on for 20 years. Sounds like the subtle serpent to me. In other words, they, they had been kind of like not using this technology on purpose to kind of, so we'd let our guard down and whatever they were going to implement at that point, who knows. Anyway, that was not the most significant piece of prophetic symbolism. The alien virus that affected the human character was slowly turning him into a hybrid. See, in the... In the, uh, in the um, one of the trailers, it shows this guy, he goes into one of their alien little huts, and he has this canister. He says, hmm, this, I don't know what this is. Uh, 
and and he and he ends up spraying this thing into his face, and then he has this this just this reaction, you know, like oh, you know, he's gonna die, and then he says it tastes like chicken. Sorry, just kidding, teasing, teasing. Anyway, um, yeah, but evidently that was where the transformation started when he got this orange stuff spraying his face. So um, he turns into a, he's starting to turn into a full-blown alien himself. I hate when that happens. I mean, you know, happened me last Tuesday. I had that same experience. I don't know. Craziest thing. So anyway, a little humor there. But while looking for a cure, he encountered the alien main character, the only one who could, quote, save him who just happened to be given the name Christopher Johnson. Now, he's no relation to me, so don't even go there. Okay, uh, He gave, was given the name Christopher Johnson, or the initials CJ. What, like Christ Jesus? Well, he was the only alien that could save him. And his name was Christopher Johnson. The initials CJ. Like Christ Jesus? Apparently, the um, MNU which is the part of this District 9, assigned human names to the alien population to keep track of them all at once when they were put in District 9. Now, doesn't that tie in nicely with some of the theories we've proposed in the past about the Antichrist role and connection to the current UFO alien phenomenon? It even goes deeper than that, though. This Christopher Johnson alien, upon learning about what what's really being done to his people by the governments of this world tells the human main character that he is going to return to the mothership and fly home so he can come back with help. He promises that he will return with a cure that will help make a hybrid, the, the hybrid a human again. Now, then he says it will take him about three years to do the round trip. He then ascends into the cloud, so to speak, as his ship docks with the mothership before it takes off and disappears completely. So let me hit the reset button for all of us to make sure I'm not losing anyone. Now, this is this guy is pretty insightful, you know, about how he's looking at this. Because the next person that comments on this doesn't pick up on hardly any of this. But he says, let me re- set the reset button. We have the full entire, full disclosure, alien UFO agenda on full display in this film as a reality being portrayed as realistically as possible. The alien main character taking on the clear resemblance of a savior to the point where his initials even correspond to those of the savior, Christ Jesus. He leaves this planet for the first time by ascending in the clouds, but promises to return in the same manner. Now, where have we heard that before? (laughs) We can even have a time frame given for his return when he will come back with help for the cure for the man so he's saved, echoing Jesus' return uh, to his saints in the future, as being, as in the movie, being three years from now. Now, presumably, this will be sometime in the wildly popular year 2012, since I believe the setting for the film was actually present-day 2009. So that's an interesting point. The epic ends with citizens speculating on what happens when uh, the alien Christopher Johnson returns. Will he come back to help us? Will he come back to declare war on us? Will he come back at all? Let that sink in for a moment. Adding a strange and spiritual twist to all of this, as if we needed more, is the news that the District 9 sequel buzz is already taking off. There already, there's already a buzz about the sequel to this movie. 
even though the film just opened up this past Friday. Even more surreal is the fact that all of this is happening, despite the fact that it's a movie that almost no one had heard of going into May of 2009. Yes, there's no doubt about it, this film was overflowing with prophetic symbolism and is one of the few movies ever created in Hollywood history to portray the so-called E.T. alien UFO uh, theme in such a realistic fashion. It is an important distinction to make because we know that there are very few things more important than, in, than influencing uh, the movies. As Bruce Rux summarized about the alien agenda via Hollywood, he said, the idea is to influence public opinion. And if you want to influence public opinion at its base level and reach all the way into somebody's soul, you're going to use drama. So, of course, the powers that be are going to be interested in that sort of thing. It's going to be extremely important to them. It's propaganda, media propaganda. Entertainment is media. In fact, it's the most important media precisely because it does reach into the soul. It's not someone being told something as much as it is something, someone being made to feel something. And that, I, I, saw, I saw the people, okay... One thing I will say is I went up and I saw before, like when the movie, before it premiered, they had these special, you know, sneak previews for whoever. And these people were coming out of that movie theater and they were interviewing them as soon as they got out of District 9. Every single person that they interviewed were profoundly impacted by this show. Now this has nothing to do with what I'm just talking about now. I'm talking about what I actually saw on some movie reviews. These people were, were so blown away, they were saying this is so much better than anything they had ever you know, seen relating to this particular subject, that the realism, and, and these people have been profoundly affected. So you can actually reach inside someone and create a feeling, or draw a feeling out of them, and that's what's really going to shape your opinions. Um, we go right back to Men in Black. Will Smith says, okay, this is a line from Men in Black. Look, we got to go tell the people about this. People are smart. They, they can take this. Meaning the alien presence, I believe, is what he's in reference to. Tommy Lee Jones says, no. No. They're no. A person is smart. People are dumb. Yesterday, you thought there were no aliens. Today, you know there are. So, yeah. Now, you're among those who know. But who are you going to tell? Precisely. Well, at least I can tell my big, my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in this forum, trust me, the movie District 9 is a big part of the mass conditioning effort that's almost completed as we move closer and closer to full disclosure and the coming great deception. He's one of the few people I've ever seen, you know, tie this in. Uh, the last thing here is from L.A. Marzula, who wrote... Uh, Prophecies in the End Times, he's wrote some good books. In fact, I've even quoted some chapters out of his books. But this is from him. He said, I saw District 9 over the weekend. I went to Walk City and met a friend, Richard Shaw, and his wife Mary. Richard is a filmmaker and will be my guest on Acceleration Radio this uh, Tuesday and Thursday. I have to tell you up front that the movie is not for everybody. It's not, I, I'll tell you up front right now. The movie's not for Christians, number one. I'll tell you that. But he's saying it's not for everybody. In fact, I wouldn't recommend it. The characters dropped more F-bombs than were dropped over London during World War II. Now, you know what that means, right? The F-word, they were using it like crazy, evidently. It is also very, and I mean very graphically violent. 
Remember, the Bible says, I'll set no wicked thing before my eyes. And, you know, these aren't things we need to be dwelling on, these types of shows. It is also graphically violent, so much that, I mean, I had to look away more than half a dozen times. You can tell, even by the trailer, that it's got to be, gra- they're ripping, guaranteed, they're just ripping people or ripping aliens apart and blood and guts flying everywhere, most likely. Okay? So, um, I would say, uh, I would say it's a cross between Sam Peckinpah movie meets Pulp Fiction meets Transformers meets Dawn of the Dead meets France. Kafka, and some of these are, I'm not, I'm not as well versed in some areas, but I don't know some of those, what he was referenced to. But, of course, mine is only one opinion, and I post part of another view below in, in italics, and this is from another view. It says, District 9 has so much to like. It's spectacular, darkly funny, entertaining, and thoughtful. And at the same time, it's all done on a meager $30 million budget. Oh, how could they do it for only a mere meager 30 mil? You know, there is true talent in the show here. If only there were more films like this, the world of cinema would be a more interesting place. Oh, I, I, I applaud him. I mean, a golf clap. Golf clap. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I, you know what? No, I'll go one better. If only there were more films like this, the world would be a better place. I mean, let's, let's go, I mean, come on, let's really... Milk this thing for all it's worth. Anyway, um, so, he goes on to say, what a difference a worldview makes. District 9 poses the question, what is human? The movie opens in a documentary format. It's grainy, and it looks and feels like a real documentary. The footage of the huge UFO hovering over Johannesburg, South Africa, is very realistic. Uh, We then see that the aliens are stranded, their mothership... Doesn't work. Ah, oh, I hate when the mothership doesn't work, you know? They, you, you know what they needed? A good mechanic. A good alien mechanic. And they, Where can you find a good alien mechanic nowadays? They're just... There's rare as hen's teeth. I know. Where? At the alien. Oh, yes. Yeah, Taylor said she knew. It, just so you know, this is a little trivia for you. Area 51, outside of Area 51, in the little town out there, we've got a hotel that you can go and stay at and it's called the Little Alien. So you can go there, get an alien, and then it's you can get ale, and it's an inn. You can get everything at this place. It's great. So anyway, um, uh, the humans take them in, and at first things seem to go well. Soon, however, the aliens are put in a special camp. It's not summer camp either, which is called District 9. We see then that they act in a subhuman way and are treated by humans with disdain. The main characters seem trying to get the aliens, whom they now call prawns, because they appear to be crustacean-like in their appearance, like a prawn would be. Um, they to sign eviction notices so that they can relocate these pesky little alien critters several hundreds of miles outside of Johannesburg. While doing this, he inadvertently spills some alien liquid on himself, and his transformation begins. Less than 24 hours later, one of his arms has morphed into that of an alien. Uh, there's the Kafka link, whatever that is, complete with the three claw-like appendages uh, for what were once his fingers. Without going into the rest of the plot, which is basically one long, drawn-out, almost never-ending chase scene, I want to explore the idea of what is human. See, just so you know, I, I got the, the sign for this movie 
for the uh, District 9 movie. Um, if you want to go see the trailer, it's d-9.com. But in the thing, it has this picture of this prawn-like alien with lightning bolt eggs, and there's a cross through or an X through it, and it says, for humans only, non-humans banned. Again, I really believe this is a conditioning tool to get us to ultimately finally maybe believe that at one stage when this thing really starts to go full-blown. So going further, uh, let's see here. How do we ascertain what a human being is? In Nazi Germany, Jews were regarded as subhuman and an inferior race. I kind of already touched on this, but with that idea in place, it became easy to round them up and exterminate them. And again, the main rationale for that was belief in Darwinism. Okay, So... Or in you know other his, his other occultic beliefs until Dred Scott until the Dred Scott decision, black slaves in this country were also considered subhuman. Therefore, slavery was accepted, and blacks were treated in the most horrible ways. Then there were the first nation peoples, more commonly uh, called the Indians. We have re- we have to realize that Hitler used our Indian. Um, used our Indian reservations as a model for his concentration camps. All of these cases, people who had different color skin or who were of a different ethnicity were thought of as less than human. District 9, however, focuses us, forces us to examine how we think about two entirely different species producing offspring. This reminds me of what happened in Genesis 6. The fallen angels manifested on earth and took wives. The result of that union were Nephilim, or the fallen ones. This was an abomination that resulted in the flood. God had to kill everybody on the planet, save eight people and the animals on the ark. That's how serious of a thing it was for God. He had to kill everybody. He didn't have a choice. Why? Because if they would have remained, they would have corrupted the remaining seed of humanity, those eight people, and then the Savior could not have come because he's not going to come through a non-human line. I've done several studies on that, so you can... Genesis 6, just key that in on the search box on the homepage on Sermon Audio. So, uh, let's see here. This reminds me of what happened in Genesis 6. The fallen angels manifested on the earth and took wives. The result of that union were the Nephilim. Uh, Let's see here. Dr. Jacobs, who has interviewed hundreds of the so-called alien abductees, has stated that the breeding... Now, this is a guy that's interviewed all of these... hundreds of alien abductees. There's literally millions of people that have said they've been abducted. Okay, This doctor has stated that the breeding program has reached its tipping point and that these alien-human hybrids may now be integrated into our society. There's a big, you know... <laughs> the Lord knows. The Lord knows. How do we regard a modern-day Nephilim? I, for one, will always take the position that Nephilim are... Demonic entities, I think we can say demonic entities in some type of humanoid form, most likely. Or organic robots, as I had stated earlier about the greys. Demonic entities that, though they appear human, are not because they have the fallen one's seed in them. Okay, so, again, where the talk of the seed is talked about in the Bible... Uh, Genesis 3.14, And the Lord God said unto the serpent, and this, is the, this is the judgment for, I've read this many times, but just to touch on this again, and many other teachings, um, Genesis 3.14, this is the punishment 
for, to the serpent and to Eve and, you know, to really humanity. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, deceiving Eve, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field, and upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity or war between thee and the woman, or between the serpent and the woman, or mankind, and between thy seed, the serpent's seed, and her seed, the human seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shall bruise his heel. So, again, we see separate and distinct seed lines that are talked about in the Bible. Okay? And, um, anyway, so... The whole point of District 9 may be to soften the blow when these alien-human hybrids begin to manifest openly. Will we accept them? The point of the horrors of the death camps, slavery and apartheid as the road we should avoid at all costs? Or will we realize that the Nephilim are anathema, or unredeemable, or cursed? You know, because there's going to be people out there saying, Oh, no, no, they're they're just sentient beings. God created them too. We're no better. Huh. You better get that straight right now. So anyway, that was the 23-page report on this. This PDF will be available on the Internet. Um, and uh, we do thank you for your prayers and your support and your donations. And uh, I would ask you to pray about that thing on the, uh, I believe it's the 6th, the next full moon that I may be entering into. Um, and... We'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day and time that you've given us. We praise you for your goodness and your mercy. I pray, God, that you would equip us in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the times that are coming, and that we would not shriek back in fear, but that we would go boldly and, and go forth boldly as witnesses of Jesus Christ, that we would come boldly before the throne of grace to make our supplications known, and that, Lord God, you would forgive us for any and all sins we've committed in any way, shape, or form. That you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins, secret faults that they would not have dominion over us. As we forgive those who have sinned against us, that you would use my listeners and the body of Christ and, and uh, the people that have gathered here mightily for your glory. That through us, many people would be saved through what you can do through us, Lord. And I pray that we always rely on your strength and not our own. And we praise you. We ask all these things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.